0: This is the Conduit Church Podcast. It is our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching. We're so glad you're here this morning. My name's Darren. I am one of the pastors here. If you're visiting for the first time, man, you came on a great day. And if you've been a part of our church family for a long time, you know you came on a great day. Because my buddy... Partner in ministry, uh, Alex Metalla, is with us this morning. You saw him in this video. Would you make Alex welcome this morning? Thank you) <laughs> Alex, Alex uh, just celebrated his 72nd birthday. Thank you. And uh, I was going to say, I hope when I'm 72, I have as much energy as Alex has. Uh, I hope I have that much energy this morning at 53. <laughs> I've had the absolute privilege and honor of, of knowing and meeting Alex for the last 12 plus years. Thanks to Marc Bourgeois, who's with us this morning, one of our elders. Many of you may or may not know this, but... 20-some, oh, maybe when that years ago, a little church started meeting in a, in a living room in uh, sort of a North Franklin that later became Grace Center. But in those days, it was Mark and Melissa, David and Tina DeLoach. I think, was Bill there? Bill, uh, Bill Lee, Todd Bell, Kerry. just a handful of people. And Alex was the guy that helped them establish their church. And what you, and we're gonna learn today, and we're gonna talk about today, is much of what you just, we sort of take for granted around here, I actually learned from hanging out with Alex in Uganda. We've driven many, 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 many miles together. So welcome this morning. Thank you. And uh, it's 18 degrees. How's that working out for you? Very bad. (laughs) So as extreme as it is when we go there and it's really, really hot, this is our revenge on you. you wait. <laughs> I also have one more question I was thinking about this morning. So I've, I've received a, a chicken. Yes. Yes. Do you come with it? Yep. Yeah. And uh, last year I got a goat. Mm-hmm. You brought so, it here? No, we, we, remember we ate it. Uh, we, but, but, what I was wondering, so what you don't know is Tony and Lynn in the front row here, uh, they're goat farmers. So we can send a goat back with you to Uganda this morning. You just pick out your nicest goat and bring it to the 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send. I'm hoping for uh, what we call African bingo, which would be a pig on the next trip. Uh-huh. Uh, so tell us this, man. You've been planting churches longer than mo- You know what? Let's go back. You're 72, but in the 1970s, there was a dictator named Idi Amin. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys have seen any of the films about uh, Entebbe and what happened with the Israeli, uh, it was hijacked, the, the jet. That was when you were coming to faith. Like you're a young little Alex. Yeah, I was 19. 19? Yeah. And at one point you were actually arrested by Idi Amin and his henchmen.
1: Well, Idi Amin mean, uh, closed all the evangelical and the Pentecostal churches in the country and uh, he wanted everybody to become a Muslim, and we said no. No, thank you. And uh, so the churches were closed, and uh, I ran to Kenya to start smuggling literature, Christian literature, into the country for the underground church. That's when I was arrested at the border between Kenya and Uganda. And finally, when I was released, I stayed in Kenya for some time, but you came back in 1979 to start this organization. And when you say released, like you sort of glossed
0: over, that was a miracle. Mm -hmm. It's a miracle. Like you should have been uh, executed, but Uh God miraculously, like Peter, and like miraculously sure brings him out. And so, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. But here's the thing. We talk about that. Like, it's amazing. In Uganda, that's just Tuesday, like. I actually remember, the, you don't remember this, but the first time I went um, to see you, mm-hmm. it was with me and Maddie, you probably remember that. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to pray for the food. This was the instructions that I had received. There were a thousand people. At which point, I pray for the food and, and there's people are waiting for food and then you go, and oh, no, now you preach the gospel. Like, oh, okay, so we'll preach the gospel. And, uh, and, and a bunch of people get saved and then you say, and now we cast out demons. <laughs> and I whispered to my daughter, honey, uh, back up, it's about to get real in here. (laughs) And and look, I know I'm about to punch some of you right in your cessationism, but it's the truth, man. Demons just manifest. When they've been sitting around minding their own business for a thousand years and we come in and declare Jesus is Lord, they don't go quietly, but they do go. And that day, demons were cast out in that church. Ten years ago now, there is a clinic, there's a school, there's a well, there's a
1: farm. Sure. It's Kawarida. It's Kawarida Yeah, Sure. Yeah.
0: It's Tuesday. What, uh, what is it about church planning in Uganda that makes it? So we've seen, you've been a part of the Crusades, Reinhard Bonnke. You were his guy in the country. 100,000 people, million people. Why is it that you've done that, but you've decided the Lord instructed you, we don't do large Crusades. We, we plant churches.
1: Why? Well, um, the Bible commands us to go and preach the gospel, but uh, it also commands us to make a discipleship, to make a disciples. It's very hard to make a disciples in a crusade. You can preach and you see people coming to the Lord, but how do you disciple them? You can't disciple them in a crusade. So the church plant is the best, the best hub to do continuous discipleship. Yeah, you, That's why Paul did it so.
0: Yeah, and he succeeded. And yeah, one of the things that you said that captured my imagination all those years ago was, you called it, and I'm gonna use a word that might trigger some of you here, because, but it means something different in uh, Uganda. Progressive evangelism, proves- mm-hmm. progressive discipleship. And yes. It, and what it means is progress Uh, the people are born again, but the water is not born again, Mm -hmm. right? The people are born again, but their minds are not born again. That is math and just simple things like uh, washing your hands that we sort of take for granted. So part of discipleship that doesn't happen in a crusade, it happens and what you see then is the progress
1: in the community. You sit down the people and teach them. You see, the word nation, we have a problem with that word. Uh, In theology, they, they will tell you, go to Uganda, go to Kenya, go to Tanzania, go to England, go to, but uh, you understand the Bible language is not about Kenya, Uganda, USA. It's about tribes, to disciple a tribe. You don't have those tribes here in America. Oh, we do. Maybe you do, but uh, it's it's, it's a real work. It's a real work. That's why God told Abraham, get away from your father's house, Get it from your clan. You don't have clans here. Get it from your tribe. Why? Discipling somebody from his tribe is a big work. We have things you don't know about. We talk about clans. You don't have clans. We talk about totems. You understand the totem? I do not. You don't have totems. In Africa, every name... Has attachment to a certain God. So you think totem. And you don't understand that. So, discipling people, nations, means tribe. Getting out all that stupid stuff from somebody's head, it's not easy. It's not easy. It takes work, it takes the Holy Spirit. You sit that somebody down. And then you teach, you disciple, and after discipling, you empower, equip, and you send him to go. And this is where
0: we have gone so far. Uh, These each red star represents where our church. Now, by the way, uh, if I were to put a red star every place that Alex has and his organization had planted a church in Uganda, that would be full. We represent one spoke in a wheel with him. And you can see the little cluster of uh, stars. That's where we have been focused for the Mm -hmm. last few years. And this um, picture here is one of the churches. Every time we plant a church, in America, we say plant churches like it's a career move, right? But here we're planting a church because it's planting life in the community. These are mm-hmm. Jesus people. So this water well, that's, well, actually, that's Hakim. Mm-hmm. Hakim. Within. Hakim, when did he come to your school?
1: Hakim came when he was four years. Four years old. Now he has graduated with a degree in accounts and finance. And that girl you see there, she's graduating in XTR. Mm. She's now doing law. She's going, to girl, yeah. She's going to be our lawyer. In Merida, Yeah, Merida. Yeah. Because yeah, right,
0: right now in your school, Good Samaritan School, which is kind of where some of this started, there are how, what, 2,400 students? Uh, it's 26. 2,600 students. Plus 17 this Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And many of those like Hakim either uh, have parents that d- uh, couldn't take care of them or they've moved in. Like a lot of them are, are pastor's kids. In fact, there are buses. They send out to pick up the kids from the bush, from Mm -hmm. pastors who can't afford it, and they get a, it's like they've won the lottery Mm -hmm. to get a chance to get an education, Mm -hmm. and especially a good Samaritan. And then what you guys have done over the last 20 some years is, as those young men and women are getting their education, then you're sending them to university. Mm-hmm. And now, like, so tell us about your, I know this is what we're gonna talk about. Tell, tell them about the farm. Like, I, I remember going to the farm, like, we, did we just drop into like Nebraska? There's like grain elevators and John Deere tractors and bulldozers and a thousand acres of corn. And it's all staffed by Good Samaritan kids. That,
1: um, should I tell you the story? Yeah, yeah why not? Um, the problem, um, the problem uh, should I say the problem? Should I say the problem? Depends on what the problem is, I don't know. <laughs> the problem with you, Americans. There you go. Oh yeah, you can, we can take it, we got thick skin. <laughs> um, you know, when you think of Africa, people think Africa, people are walking naked. There is nobody who can do anything in Africa. They think we are very, very poor, therefore nobody can help himself to come out of poverty. They think uh, we shall be always coming here to beg, to beg year after year. So in 1987, when I first came to America, they took me to somebody in Virginia and they told me that that man, man of God, uh, supported indigenous organizations. So I went there, very happy man, knowing that he will understand what I, I had to tell him. So he asked me, Alex, why are you here? I said, sir, I'm looking for a used farm tractor. A used farm tractor. My faith was for a used one. And he looked at me and he said, Alex, they told me you are f- an evangelist and a church planter. I said, yes, sir. And you're looking for what? I said, a used farm tractor. And he said, Alex, sit down. Younger man, sit down. <laughs> Evangelists don't look for such things like tractors. They look for speakers. They look for microphones. They look for Bibles, tracts to give out. Those are the things evangelists need, not tractors. Oh, thank you, young man, for coming. And he kicked me out of the office. <laughs> 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 he wanted me to come here every year for the same things. I wanted a tractor because Uganda, where I come from, is a very photo country. You can grow anything there. You Ugandans, who, you, you have yeah. seen that. In Uganda, you can grow anything you want. So if I took a tractor to Uganda, and then I began growing food for my people, we could get food, take care of these poor kids, and surplus food to sell. And when I sell, I can always buy these equipments, these, these things from Uganda. So... I went away from that man and I went to Arkansas. uh, Kansas. Kansas City. Kansas Garden City. Deep down there among the farmers. Thank God for farmers. Stinky Kansas. I went, yes. Feedlots, yeah. (laughs) But I was blessed. (laughs) But I was blessed in that. And I don't care about the smell. That's why I got the first tractor. And I took it to Uganda in 1988. And from that single tractor, which is dead now, we have, we are now working on 455 acres of land. And now we have uh, two more tractors. And we can feed 2,600 and now 17 children. And I want to thank God for coming to church because you believed in us. And I want to say, thank you, Mark. And thank you very much. The bulldozer you sent us, it's working miracles. We have a bulldozer, we can bulldoze anything.
0: Yeah, it turns out, like when Alex called and said, hey, can you guys ship us a bulldozer? You know, we usually say yes and figure it out later. And it turns out it's not easy to ship a bulldozer, but it's possible. It's possible. Very hard and very complicated, but yeah, it's there. possible. And everything there is staffed by young men and women that grew up at Good Samaritan, exactly. went to school for agriculture. The tractors are repaired by a young men, young men that have grown up at Good Samaritan, went to school for that. There are, he is literally transforming. And this, this photo in the background, like when I first saw that, where, what, everything you see right there, when I first landed, went there 10 years ago to this place, nothing was, was there. The athlete, yeah. I remember we go to the village and I'm like, we turn around like, well, where's the village? Mm-hmm. Like, and then hundreds of children coming out from the trees. And, and now this, this is 10 years in the making. Mm-hmm. And every church, every red star you see is in some form of progress towards this. This is a self-sustaining work. We still sponsor their schools, but this where there was nothing but bush, nothing but uh,
1: nothing. Now, now there's, there's a school, yeah. there's a church, a water well small clinic, and uh, of course, um, school.
0: School. That's the ultimate goal because it transforms, but there's an image of what God has done to this land that is an image of what God is doing in the lives of Ugandans, which Mm -hmm. is not, he's changing them from the ground up, changing them from their foundations outward, and they look different than they would without Jesus. So, tell me this from the view, I'm I'm gonna switch gears. You in Uganda, um, you've personally have informed me, mentored me in so many ways. Like, have you ever noticed like that? I don't ever like hammer on you, you know, to give your hardcore money. And then we at the church will decide how it goes, but we just trust that the Holy Spirit can lead you to give where the Lord leads you to give. I learned that from him. He's the one that said, you know, if you have a heart for clean water, how can I tell God to change your heart and now give to the Bible school? just here's, here's where you can give for clean water. If you have a heart for orphans, here's how to do that. And I learned that from Alex. He's taught us so much locally, but now as a church corporately, the, the Western church, um, and I speak in broad strokes, but we need help. We need missionaries. What do you see, you're not, you're, you're not unaware of what's happening in our country, whether it's with our government or with the church. What is a message that you would have? I'm going to ask you two questions. One is for our church locally, but for, first, for the church in America in general, what wisdom, if, if everybody in American church were sitting in the room right now, what would you say to them?
1: Well, first of all, I would say, I, you have a great nation. America is a great nation. Thank you for that one. You know, even last time I told you, you can't bless what you curse. The two can't work together. I've heard so many Americans cursing this country, and I think that's a mistake. Just because of the sins you see around here doesn't mean America is rotten. There are sins everywhere. We commit sins in Africa. There are sins in Asia. Bless your country. As you bless Israel, bless your country. That's number one. We bless Africa. We still have people who are worshipping demons. We still have people who are are still worshipping trees and other things. But we don't condemn Africa. We bless Africa. Even Jesus himself, he never came here to condemn us. He came to bless us, to save us. So number one, love your country Nation and bless your nation. And when you bless, you believe God will change America. Always there is a remnant. Doesn't matter how many sins people are committing, God has a remnant, And you're one of them. We are part of and the, the remnant. church. Yeah. Yes, and the church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus is still alive. He's in charge of his church.
0: Yeah.
1: Whether in America, Africa, Asia, the Lord, the founder of the church, is still in charge of his church.
0: So now, conduit church locally, like we're sister churches, what
1: would you you say to us? Um... First of all, I want to say thank you for um, understanding the reason for the local church. The local church is the hub to do continuous discipleship. The Great Commission, you know the Great Commission, whenever we talk about the Great Commission, people say, I'm not a preacher myself. I'm Saul, I'm not a preacher myself. And I've heard people, you know, singing that song. The field is ripe, but the workers are few. I think that is not true anymore. By the time Jesus said he he was the only worker in the field, correct? Correct. Others were just learners. People like Paul, I mean Peter, James, and those disciples were just learners. Jesus was the only worker in the field. But after his death and the resurrection, and after he had sent the Holy Spirit, things changed. The workers are now very many. And don't ask me where they are. You are seated there. (laughs) You are the workers. Now, when you ask me, when you ask us, hey guys, stand up and you pray to God that he will send workers into his field to do the harvest, then you are talking to us, the real people, the very, very people who are supposed to be in the field. We are not supposed to be praying for, to God to send. We are just there. We are only waiting to be deployed. So so, uh, things changed when Jesus rose from the dead. Now we have the Holy Spirit with us, don't we? And the Bible says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall become my witness. Now, sometimes we confuse those two words. Preacher and Preacher and and witness. We may not be all wit- uh, preachers, but we are all witness. Don't miss that. Yes. We may not be all preachers, but We may all not be all preachers, witness. but we are witness. You may not be a wonderful preacher, and I don't blame you for that, mm. but you are a wonderful witness. That's why you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Now we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the name of Jesus. We have the Word of God. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have the fellowship of the believers. Oh, that is power. Power to do what? To witness. That is the message for the local church. Witness. Yeah.
0: The, um, Shannon and I had dinner with Don and Holly the other night and Holly was telling a story, and I'm gonna butcher it, but of a young person that, uh, I don't know if it was the parent, but wasn't sure that they were a Christian because they never talked about Jesus. And Holly said that at that moment, I realized I, I want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want everybody, anybody to ever say that about me, that she, I don't know if she's a Christian, she never talks about Jesus. We gotta talk about Jesus with everybody. Like being a witness simply means telling the truth about what you've seen, experienced, and heard. That's actually really easy. Like we don't have to have a three points and a 20 hour preparation or a seminary degree for that. Um, I, I do have another question here that is important for me, and then we're going to talk about what's happening in the future and what God, there's some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, one of the things that we've been hearing a lot in America, and if you spend any time online, you'll see some version of this, and that is that when American Christians are going into Africa to plant churches like we do, or uh, and I have been accused of this personally, that it's called um, colonization. It's just, we need to get the United States all the way out because we're just colonizing Africa, us drilling wells or Scott Harris uh, with Charity Water, you know, b- colonizing. What do you say to that from a Ugandan perspective, from an African perspective?
1: Well, I think that's a lie because uh, Uganda was colonized by British for 60 years. We were under the, the rule of, uh, of Britain for 60 years years. If drilling wells was part of the game, I think they could have drilled wells everywhere in Africa. But as I speak now, we don't have those wells. Yeah. So I don't think it was part of their game. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> we could have had so many of them everywhere. I grew up drinking dirty water. I told you I was almost dying of malaria. Uh, it's, it's because of drinking, you know, that kind of uh, waterborne diseased water, I mean, water. Mm. And uh, we have grown up fighting with animals for water. In some of those places, you know, like animals a, and, like the, actual fighting, and yeah. the humans are <laughs> fighting for the same water pond. Uh, I, I don't think that was... Uh, Good for the colonizers, I think those guys need to be. You know, they need they need to get saved. Yes. (laughs) Anyone who has watched The Crown, they they need to be saved. Yeah. 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 We need water. We need clean water, and as we preach the gospel now, we include all that. We talk about heaven, but we talk about here too, because, you know, heaven is there, and here is here. So we want clean water, and we want to educate our children. So I think those guys need to be born again. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that
0: my African friends have stated uh, is that what's happening right now with Western governments and like the World Bank recently said, we're not gonna fund Uganda anymore as a country because Uganda will not change their definition of gender, uh, of sexuality, and of course Uganda said, keep your money. Um, But that feels to me more like colonization We'll give you yes. your money if you will change everything about what you do. We'll then give you the money.
1: It's a big yes. Yes. And, and we said no. <laughs> yeah. And we thank God for our president. Our president said no. Yeah. Yeah, the World Bank is no longer lending us money. Good. Uh, they stopped. It's dirty money And anyway. they stopped. Uh, America stopped. Um, buying things from Uganda. Yeah, so, but he still we said no. Yeah. We shall eat our cassava, sweet potato, yams. Yeah. And we shall survive by the grace of God. Yeah. And by the way, nobody is being killed there. Yeah. We don't believe in killing people. Nobody should kill a sinner. Nobody should kill anyone. And nobody is being killed. What, Don't he's, believe a lie.
0: what he's saying is that New York Times, Washington Post is reporting that if you uh, cl- uh, cl- identify as uh, homosexual or tra- transgender, that they're killing him, uh, executing him. That's just not true. That's it's, a lie. It's not accurate. Um, what I would, the reason I bring that up is not just to poke it because we bless America, God bless America. But as a church, we have a chance now to step in where governments are failing. Um, Because Uganda still has needs, right? And what's inadvertently happened is it's driven the governments of most of Africa right into the arms of the Chinese government and the socialist opportunities that they have been economically invading your nation but the church of Jesus is alive. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will not prevail against China. It will not prevail against Saudi Arabia, and it will not prevail against the United States. But we can't just sit still and wait. We get a chance. And that's why we're going back again next year to this area. Now, that is 500 kilometers north of where we are normally. So, Uh, and I, the beautiful thing is these are great interstate highways that are easily traversable mm-hmm. without potholes, so it's, it's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> Tell us why you have chosen—so that red star was the church we planted last year, right? And the yellow star is Ajumani, Yes, which is where the new church plant will be starting that's in where 2025. You are, that's
1: where you are going. It is 12 miles away from the border of South Sudan. And uh, you'll be seeing the River Nile as he as as River Nile enters into South Sudan. Those who come, you'll be able to see all that. But above all, we are going to plant a church there, a school there, and already we have uh, a vocational school there. That place is between, in between, two large um, refugee camps. One on the left side, on the left side with the 32,000 refugees, and the other one on the red right side with the 42,000 refugees. So we are in between there. So those who are coming, you'll, be, you'll have uh, the opportunity to speak to the pastors who are pastoring people in the refugee camps and pastors uh, who uh, we call them the host tribe. So we may have about 100 pastors there gathered for your encouragement. And of course, um, we are going to to plant a church and a school. A school. And I want to say thank you very much for your money because uh, the money reaches us. They send the money, the money reaches us, and you are going to see what the money does with the hand of God. And I want to say thank you very much. Also, I want to say thank you because as he was talking about The the problems that are now coming to the world today, we think we should be working hard in Uganda. We don't know how long we have before government switched. Now, here's the
0: thing. Paul Mm -hmm. preached under an oppressive totalitarian regime. The gospel cannot be stopped Mm -hmm. by any of them. So we are not afraid. I just, while it's easier, right? I, there's a good chance the window is open, mm-hmm. and we have a chance to step in and maybe change the tide. But what we can change is the the lives of those those people for the future of your nation and of the gospel in the in Africa.
1: Sure. And now that's where we are now enlarging on our agriculture yeah. um, our farm. We are now um, we are now purchasing two hundred and fifty acres. One hundred and fifty-two acres for uh, what? And they want to grow coffee. Sorry, say that again. We want to grow C-O-F-F-A-E. Coffee. <laughs> Uganda a- is number seven, yeah. uh, number in, the seven in the whole world. We grow, uh, we, grow um, uh, we don't grow Arabica. We grow, um, uh, we grow, uh, Arabica is growing in the, in the, in, in Kenya and, uh, and, uh, and Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. The Ugandan blend is one of my favorites.
0: Anybody that's traveled with me knows that I take one suitcase that I do nothing but buy Ugandan coffee beans and bring them home. I'll bring home 50 pounds of it. Like I love Ugandan So we grow robusta
1: coffee. Yeah. And uh, we want to, uh, to plant. We are, we are now buying 250 acres. The reason why you want to grow a coffee we are trying to see how we can sustain ourselves. So in case, the other countries say, we are not sending money to you, because, 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 we shall be having our indigenous source of income to support what God told us to do. Yeah.
0: This is the future of what's gonna happen in Ajumani. Exactly. And this circle that I circled there, if you follow geopolitical for any length of time, that is, much of that area is where Joseph Coney, the Lord's Resistance Army, remember Invisible Children, that mm-hmm. thing that happened 12 years ago in America. Mm-hmm. That is all there, that is a part of the country that the, 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 the devil was killing and murdering. We're now
1: taking over.
0: We're saying, no thank you Satan, mm-hmm. we're coming and taking that territory back. So. And yeah, this is, this is the future of it. This is what we'll, we'll see. These are the places, the kind of this is how it starts, right? Little mamas and their your kids and their grandbabies, these are real people mm. with real souls that Jesus really, really loves. And for us to accomplish that this year, uh, we're going to need, so the land right now, the remaining need for the land is $142,000. That'll give him uh, the rest of the 150 acres for the the coffee beans and everything they need to get that farm finished. By the way, they've already got, like, we went uh, two years ago, here's this empty field with little plantain trees that are, like, knee-high. We come back a year later, and I swear I'm not making this up,
1: actually functioning, producing bananas. Like, I don't know what you guys are doing over there. And uh, we are now able to take 153 students to university getting money from the banana plantation. Yeah, plantain. We this, have 63 yeah. acres of plantain. Yeah,
0: this is an investment into the future of the kingdom of God. And I would just ask this morning if anybody feels on their heart, we're going to need probably I don't know. I should have asked that Mike. This story of my life. Should have asked Mike before I said this. Um, we're going to need probably another 75 to 100 thousand to build out the schools and the clinics just for that. We've already sent money for the land. Yeah. Um, so that, that's already been purchased. We're going to build this so that they can look. I put this up here because I want you to see. That's going to be the future. And by the way, there's already a trade school in this community. It's not like he's been waiting on us. This refugee camp where there's 200,000 people just across the border in South Sudan. They have nowhere to go. Some mm-hmm. of them have tried to go home. The war breaks out again. So literally, if you see it, there's like, it's, it's almost hard to imagine. Like literally the
1: population. We have 1.4 refugees in Uganda. One. million
0: million refugees. The city of Nashville in a camp. So we're going to give bicycles to these little pastors because they're walking long, long distances. They can bike from place to place. They're going to be Mm -hmm. ecstatic. We're going to be able to give them some resources and we're going to give them some hope and know that the kingdom of God is advancing even in a refugee camp. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's such a picture of the gospel. What does the gospel tell us? We're all refugees Mm -hmm. on this earth. We are all aliens passing through. For most of us who are Jesus followers, this earth is just a giant refugee camp waiting for the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. And so until then, we're building outposts for the kingdom of God. We're going to keep going. Jesus talks about occupy until I come. He didn't say take a nap. He didn't say go hide. He said occupy. We're occupying this land in America. We're occup- that, That's the occupation. is the kingdom of God occupation. Occupying these places. So if the Lord puts it on your heart, uh, online it says Uganda Community Transformation. There's a box in the back. If you write a check, just put Uganda in it. will make sure. And he's right. We call ourselves conduit because that's all we are, is a conduit of your generosity. Um, we just are the pipe. And the pipe takes something of where there's plenty to a place where there's need. And on the other end of a conduit, if you don't have a sprinkler or a, a sprayer, it just goes out of control. These guys are the ones that control and it, so it gets used well. And I've seen it. Many in this room have seen it firsthand. Uh, I wish Alex could go to other places in the world and teach them how to do stuff as quickly as you guys get stuff done. And by the way, that originally what Eric was talking about, our slogan, uh, it actually came from Alex when he says, uh, A long time ago, I said, how did you do that so fast? He said, well, we are not messing around. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's American for we're not screwing around. Like, I got it. I got that. Like, that we can do. (laughs) And it became this unofficial slogan for us (laughs) on T-shirts and stuff. So let's pray for Alex. Stand to your feet. I am going to get you out of here this morning. Pray that the Lord, here's the thing. All we ever ask of anybody, listen to the Lord. If he doesn't say anything, don't give anything. That's what Second Corinthians 8 and 9 says. Do not be manipulated. Don't give out of emotion. Give out a way the Spirit leads. And if the Spirit's leading you this morning, you can be a part of investing in this for the future of multiple places in Uganda. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brother Alex. Thank you for the wisdom and the mentoring and the, just the, the impact of a, of a legacy. And the words even shared yesterday that a legacy is not a monument, a legacy is what you leave in motion. These buildings might serve as a monument, but what is left in motion are the people and the churches. That's the legacy of Alex Matala, of Catherine, of their family. I am a part of the legacy of the Matala family because we are what is in motion. We are not a monument. So Lord, allow us today to give towards and to be uh, led towards how we could give to continuing the motion of the gospel in East Africa, as well as in Middle Tennessee. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.